Yes, gang, welcome to episode three of the Nutritional Talks with George Robinson. How are you, buddy? I'm good, thanks, mate. How's it going? Fantastic. Just had my um, my pre pre podcast nervous week. Too much information. We always there's always that split second before this rec- we press record and we're like, oh my god, oh my god, nervous. It's like before we. a huge workout. Yeah, we uh, me. I'm, ch- I'm chilled. <laughs> <laughs> it's like that. Um, for a big workout, you have that nervous wee. And I saw George have a bottle of water and I got jealous, so I had to go grab some. I did. To be fair, at the weekend when I did my last CrossFit Open 21.3, 20.4, I did have a nervous wee before that. <laughs> Not gonna lie. It's weird. The body is weird. Um, how's your week? <laughs> did, any, did any of you guys do that? Does any, have any of you done the Open? Uh, no, 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 no. Um, we haven't delved into any of the CrossFit workouts. If any of them suit us, we might. Um, but what was it? What was it? I think the week. Well, I'm trying to think now. Uh, what the the work the workout is? Yeah, tough. Uh, clean, uh, clean, clean, clean and jerks, deadlifts, all sorts of stuff in there. We can yeah, I, double unders can't do them. No, I had to do the equipment free one because I don't have the stuff with me. Um, so it was thirty three rounds, thirty squats into yeah. thirty v ups. Yeah. 30 thrusters with a dowel, one minute rest. Yeah. 30 squats again. Uh, Mate, you're thrusting a dowel. Come at us. We can do yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> 30, 30 thrusts again. And then the last set was sort of like, uh, oh, it was handstand press, handstand push ups, which are tough. Very tough. Um, man. Yeah. Tick box. I'm currently ranked 71st in the UK. Boom. Love Top it. 100, I'll take it. Um, so, episode. Three, we are looking at supplementation. Plenty of questions. So a couple of things to note. Um, we will not be talking about protein. We've talked about protein in the last two episodes and we won't be talking about leucine. So if you want to understand protein and leucine and how it relates to pre and post exercise and how it relates to recovery and um, health and fitness in general, go back to those episodes. Go to the description and that shall explain where to find it. Um, so, and we're also going to flip the structure this week because there's so much to talk about. We're going to keep it fairly concise to start with in terms of um, a list of, of supplements that Georgie Boy recommends um, for health and performance. And then we'll delve into the questions. And then, of course, if we've answered those questions, we can, um, yeah, there she is, the dog. We can then, told you, we can then, um, we can then direct you back to whichever supplement yeah we recommended yeah right, and again like if any of you your guys have got any questions following this feel free to stick them on the facebook page because i can answer them as well there we go perfect all right so we're going to start um so <laughs> you can start anywhere really with this stuff let's start with health and the supplements that we absolutely need and some of the supplements that <clears throat> people might not think they might not think they need might yeah. even know they need. I mean, you yeah, start, let's, Georgie. Let's go for that. Um, so one of the key ones that I always talk about to the athletes that I work with um, is vitamin D. Mm-hmm. And it's probably a common one that either people have heard about or quite a lot of people actually uh, take along with the diet. Mm-hmm. Um, and then just as a bit of a prerequisite to that, I kind of just wanted to have a bit of a chat about what supplements are and whether you need them in your diet. So vitamin D is something that I would say is essential for your diet, particularly during the autumn and winter months. Mm -hmm. And when I say a supplement is required, it's usually because it's an essential vitamin or mineral that the body either can't produce itself um, or can't store particularly well. And it is also really important for health. So there's three key things there. So if you're talking about supplements, one of the first questions that I would always suggest ask yourself is, do you need it and where do you get, where do you, would you get it from in your diet to start with? Um, but vitamin D is one of the essential vitamins because we the body can't produce it and it can't be stored particularly well, it's stored in bone. And vitamin D you can't really get apart from, from sunlight. So because we're in the Northern Hemisphere, lucky us during mm-hmm. autumn, winter, we've got pretty short days and the weather's not very good which means that our exposure to sunlight is reduced. So our vitamin D is then reduced by nature. Um, so the best time to get vitamin D 
on a, on a normal day would usually be between 10 a.m. and 3 p.m. when mm-hmm. it, the sun's the most is intense. And realistically, you probably need about th- about 30 minutes of sun exposure a day. So that's why if you can get outside as often as you can, just to try and get that sun exposure. Um, and obviously having your skin exposed to the sunlight is crucial. So what I'm not advocating is everyone got outside naked. <laughs> Nudity is not required for oh this. Oh my God. People are like, what is going on at BSC Fitness? Exactly. Get down and give me 10 burpees. <laughs> <laughs> but making sure that the sunlight is actually in direct contact with your skin is crucial for that. Um, and why is vitamin D important? Um, simply because vitamin D actually helps the calcium absorb into the bone. So without vitamin D sufficiently, um, in sufficient amounts, the body can't actually absorb enough calcium into the bone and actually actually strengthen the bones that way. So that's why you need it. Mm-hmm. Um, so foods which contain vitamin D, you can get vitamin D from fortified cereals. So if you go into the supermarket, some of the boxes on the cereal packets use like cornflakes and usually children's cereals will actually be fortified with vitamin D yeah. um, because they know that they know that it's required for a healthy diet basically um but other food sources like oily fish red meat egg yolks and butter they are naturally a good source of vitamin d as well the reality is there's probably not enough because we're so deficient as a Um, general population during the winter months yes unless you want to live in you know if you've got a holiday home in the south of france or yeah the southern hemisphere during half the year um you'd need to fortify usually between october and march and that's where some supplementation would yeah exactly but then for the rest of the year not really required okay and through those winter months is there a a kind of um standard amount of, of vitamin d they should supplement yeah um so it's recommended that you take a minimum of about a thousand ius or international units a day mm-hmm. um or equivalent to 25 milligrams mm-hmm. um and or between a thousand four thousand ius a day yeah i was going to yeah. say we, we kind of push the upper limit sometimes i've seen a few studies that have shown yeah. that people are so deficient in the winter yeah. months that there was a study that like ten thousand are you it's it just about brought them out of that deficiency yeah it can it, the particularly the during the latter part of the winter because you've had such low sun exposure um you might need to adjust the amount that you take depending on the time of year so yeah you might start in the autumn with a lower dose and actually increase it to that higher four thousand or just maybe above four thousand mm-hmm. um but usually between one and four thousands uh sufficient okay wicked and um to my knowledge, this is a supplement that you can front load at the beginning of the week if you are forgetful to yeah. be supplementing Monday to Friday. You could go for a larger dose on a Monday, a larger dose on a Thursday, and that might potentially cover you across the week. Uh, yeah, so if ideally you'd have it every day, but yeah. like you say, if you've kind of got a busy schedule and you know that Wednesday is a really busy day, so you might want to you might want to take a high dose on Monday, Tuesday. Mm-hmm. Um, because you know maybe Wednesday's busy. Um, likewise, at the weekend you might be forgetful of the weekend, so it takes like more on a Friday, like you say. Lovely stuff. All right, wicked. Um, so moving on to the next one. Your choice, mate. It's like a roulette of soup of supplements. Take <laughs> your pick. Okay, so uh, another health-related one, um, yep. and it, this is also performance-related as well. So kind of crossing the bridge a little bit here. Okay. Um, but uh, iron. Awesome. Um, so. Iron deficiency um, has been related to like lots of um, sensations of fatigue. Usually that's when people recognize that they're iron deficient. Um, And what people probably already know, what is iron for um, from a sports perspective here? We're not talking about um, from a female perspective in this particular topic because we've got that for another podcast. But I just want to talk about like what iron is actually used for physiologically. Um, Basically within your red blood cells, you have um, hemoglobin. Mm-hmm. You heard it before? Yes. Yeah, yep. times. Okay, so within the hemoglobin, you've got uh, iron, and that's in the oxygen actually attaches them iron molecules within the blood. So without iron there, you oxygen can't attach them, and they can't be transported in the blood that way to your to your organs and to your muscles. Muscles, yeah. So what happens or can happen in in sport is that 
if you're not take if you don't have sufficient iron within your diet so particularly talking to um vegetarian and vegan um athletes here um you might be isolated iron deficient so you might find that when you initially stop taking or stop taking either iron supplementation or reducing foods which have heme iron okay you might start to feel like you get fatigued quite quickly um, during endurance sports and maybe not training as well as you used to okay. so that's one of the markers that you're maybe iron deficient so maybe you're training should be going well mm-hmm. but you're getting fatigued a lot more than usual and it could be down to your iron so so the how is with that hemoglobin essentially the why is about the fatigue right the yeah. why is because we don't want to be depleted we don't want to feel like we have low energy before no. we've even exercised exactly yeah and just just to hit on that point there kind of about where where to get iron from in the diet yes so you can have um, there's two different groups of iron you can have heme iron and non-heme iron so heme iron you get from red meats kidney liver turkey uh, and eggs Mm -hmm. really really rich in heme iron Mm -hmm. whereas and heme iron you is really highly bioavailable and by that the body can really easily digest it and use it for what it's needed for Mm -hmm. and basically because it's already been broken down to a simple form However, non-heme iron are generally plant-based sources. Okay. okay, so you can get them non-heme iron from tofu, spinach, watercress, nuts and seeds, oats and kale, for example. Mm-hmm. Um, but the the issue with non-heme iron is that it requires enzymes to break it down, so thereby it's not as bioavailable for the body to use. Um, so it doesn't have as great a response within the body um so that's one thing to factor in okay which is why you're saying vegetarians you need to consider potentially a supplement because of that reason because it's not going to be as readily available within the body yeah exactly yeah so unless unless you have the enzymes to break it down Mm -hmm. you it won't be usable by the body okay so and there's a point here um and there'll be a common theme throughout i guess as to Yes, we can supplement, but a balanced diet will probably be hitting most of the deficiencies if you had one. Yeah. Um, so males, you're looking at about 12 milligrams of iron a day and females okay. slightly higher, 18 milligrams a day. Okay. Um, and if you are going to take an iron supplement, it's best to take it about an hour before your training session with vitamin c so you can just take basically an iron supplement with a glass of orange juice yeah or kiwi or, yeah. or a fresh orange mm-hmm. um or fancy broccoli if you fancy it um yeah so that's an hour before training or about two hours after a main meal to help the absorption of that particular supplement so try and avoid taking iron around meal times two hours after yeah, an hour before training or two hours after a meal. Yeah. Awesome. Next. Next one. Okay. Um, one of the ones that I thought would be good to chat about was uh, zinc. Mm-hmm. Um, so this actually was one of the supplements that came up in, in a question that one of your clients uh, had. Yep. Um, so zinc, just a quick little synopsis of it. Yeah. Um, the purpose of it is really uh, important for immune function, wound healing, and skin health. Okay. All right. So it's important to have it in the diet every day because your body can't store zinc. So again, when you're talking about which vitamins and minerals are essential, zinc is one of those that are that is essential. Um, another really quite practical thing for zinc is that if you know someone who has skin irritation mm-hmm. um, or acne, um, and it's particularly an inflammatory form of acne that you can have. Um, zinc can actually reduce the symptoms of that. So it can actually reduce skin redness. Okay. Um, and then in terms of where you can get it from in the food, again, think about food first approach. Um, you're looking at dairy products like cheese and milk and yogurt. Um, other, other forms like in grains like brown rice, quinoa and oats, that they're really good. Yeah. And then meat sauces like lamb beef and pork. Um, and if you're looking at non-meat sauces, you've got nuts and seeds like hemp seeds, pumpkin seeds, and cashews as well. 
So that's where you can get zinc from in the diet. Most foods that should be included. Yeah, again, it's quite simple, really. If you, that's why you know you can you always hear about like having like five or seven portions of fruit and veg a day, or having a a wide and varied diet. And it's simply that if you can have a like a rainbow diet of fruit and veg and other other foods within your diet, and not just sticking to the same thing every day all the time, having some variation is really really important for health as well as performance. Yep. Um, and then in terms of supplementation, if you yeah. were to take an iron, uh, zinc supplement, sorry, um, you're looking at about 10 to 15 milligrams a day. 10 to 15 milligrams a day. Yeah. Awesome. Short and sharp on the zinc. Love that. Yeah, Omega just nice three. and quick. Omega 3, where are we at? Omega 3. Okay, so this yeah. is kind of again bridging off into performance aspect of it as well. Okay. Um, so omega 3s, polyunsaturated fatty acids, um, it's really important to have a a greater proportion of your omega-3s than your omega-6s, okay? Um, so omega-3s, you get, a, so a Mediterranean diet is really, really high in omega-3. Um, and omega-3 is really important for supporting healthy eyes and heart. Um, but from a performance perspective, um, it can actually help reduce inflammatory response from exercise. So actually reduces muscle soreness. But there's a bit of a caveat to that. So um if i ask you a question reese if someone's training for an event and say that they're 12 weeks out of a their like main goal or competition for the for that year yeah. 12 weeks out would you or would you not say that they need to be having omega-3s within a, within the, within a supplement form for the diet i would you would yeah. okay why is why is that why not why <laughs> yeah good yeah all right that's that's i'll take that but what I would suggest here is, is that 12 weeks out from a competition, yeah. you're trying to generate as many training adaptations as possible. So you do want the body to be in a state of, um, of inflammation so that it basically forces the body to adapt physiologically to the exercises that you're doing. So it's kind of important that, yes, you need to have a sufficient amount of omega-3 in your diet for health and for health purposes but from a performance perspective you don't want to supplement or overload omega-3s because then it can actually reduce the training adaptations so that's one of the things that i talk about with the athletes that i work with there is a time and place for certain vitamins and minerals and omega-3 is probably one of those so 12 weeks out perhaps not really massively important to supplement omega-3 but when you're looking at four, two, three, four weeks out from your major competition and you're trying, you know, you, you, you've done the bulk yeah, of your training yeah. and you're trying to optimize your training for competition. So you're trying to reduce soreness like two weeks out from a competition or even a week out from competition, then using omega-3 supplementation might be beneficial because it reduces your inflammatory response from your exercise and you just helps your recovery. If two, two, two kind of, two kind of examples, uh-huh. if you are training four five times a week which a lot will be yeah and they are seeking performance however the intensity of three of those sessions will be quite high Mm -hmm. would you recommend it to recover quicker for the next session to help recover quicker because you know delayed onset muscle soreness affects performance training with that effect could then lead to injury. Would you potentially look at increasing that supplement in that, in those cases? So if I kind of switch between my nutrition hat and coaching hat, yeah, I would kind of say from a coaching perspective, it depends because if you want, again, it kind of goes back to that example I just gave, like I understand that people could be training regularly during the week, but if you try and optimize adaptations, mm-hmm. which do have to cause inflammation in the body, you don't want to get rid of that soreness that quickly. Mm-hmm. Because on a, on a cell signaling level, mm-hmm. that's really what causes the adaptations to occur. Mm-hmm. Yes, you can make sure you optimize carbohydrate re- resynthesis um, for glycogen stores so that you're ready to train again, so that you're batteries recharged but them cell signals in the background will still be going on 
so that the body isn't just a it's not just like a robot it's on it in an out system there's so many different things hormones all the rest of it that is causing adaptations to occur within the body and omega-3 will affect that just as much you have you know if, if you can kind of have like a, a volume dial and you've got lots of different dials yeah you know you can still keep that vol that dial quite high for adaptations while tuning in to different ones for carbohydrate resynthesis mm -hmm. so it kind of depends i would say longer term if you're looking to get maximized your training adaptations i wouldn't suggest supplementing with omega-3s during a particular training week or a training phase mm -hmm. but then if you go into a different training phase um, ready for competition or you're trying to recover more appropriately yeah. or yeah. during a deload week, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. So I think this week's a deload week for you, for your guys. It is. it is. Yeah. So perhaps during a deload week and it's the same as for me as well, this week is a bit more of a recovery week for me. So right now you're reducing your training volume. You may be keeping the intensity to some degree in some sessions, mm -hmm. but reducing the, the duration. And then again, you're thinking, actually, I want to try and recover as best I can for next week when we're into a new cycle and we're increasing the training load again. So maybe this week would be an ideal week for people to take a meter three. So maybe there'll be a massive increase in meter three sales. Okay. I'm getting, so, yeah, I'm making sure I get a code for them. Yeah. Um, um, so then, one more scenario, Georgie, one more scenario. Sorry, bud. Would okay. be. So we've got a handful of people that will be prioritizing performance. Some will be interested, but they'll be prioritizing health. They'll be prioritizing potentially fat loss and all the things that come with that. And you might have people that have just started back up again, that have gone from zero to not necessarily a hundred, but you know, in terms of intensity and volume, maybe zero to three sessions a week. We want to try and help them recover as quick as possible because it's an enjoyable factor as well right we what we don't want them is walking in the door worrying that they're going to be you know hurting the next day so would that then that scenario then play out for them to potentially supplement throughout the whole training cycle of course there's other factors sleep active recovery hydration that you know, we cover on different days but would that be something that you could then potentially um, I would say at that point it's individual discretion. So if yeah. someone, you know, having listened to this podcast, yeah, um, maybe doing a little bit of reading about it, yeah, and then also factoring in, you know, the cost of the supplement, you know, because yeah. if they're thinking, well, I can get it from a diet, maybe I don't yeah. need supplement. So you know, getting it from oily fish like salmon, mackerel, sardines, exactly. You know, you can get a. I have mackerel quite a lot, and you can just get you can pick up a tin of mackerel for like eighty five pence from the supermarket. That's basically like. Mackerel. It. <laughs> so yeah, it sort of depends if you don't mind like fishy taste stuff but if you don't like getting fish in your diet then yeah maybe doing a supplement with it so right. you might look to have a small lower dose of about um so at one gram a day or a thousand milligrams a day as like a low dose but then during sort of more intense uh, training or if they're kind of feeling really sore they can increase up to about five grams a day so five of those tablets a day nice okay that's a good point that if they're struggling to increase that fish, you know, and the oily fishes that you can get is, is worth maybe having a look at that. But if you've got a well-rounded diet, then yeah, maybe not so. All right. Nice. I like that. Yeah. Um, okay. Multivit contentious. <laughs> yeah. So I think, you know, if, if you, if you spoke to a potentially a dietitian, so I'm not a dietitian. I, I'm not a clinical dietitian. I'm a performance um, nutritionist working in sport so um what i what i tend to speak to the athletes about is i think sometimes a multivit is kind of seen as a replacement rather than a supplement and that's mm -hmm. the mentality that some people i work with in the past have so the word supplement means to supplement the diet not to replace the diet so i potentially whether some people see a multivit is kind of like that holy grail that's the that silver bullet that will kind of do a load of good um in terms of supplying you know a lot of your recommended daily amount of lots of different minerals and vitamins but at the same time it's not it's never going to be as good as the real thing never just is. because food contains more than just that vitamin or mineral mm -hmm. There's, it's got so many other um parts to it that affect the body's hormones and other systems to actually improve uh, their health or performance so yes 
I think a, a multivitamin can be convenient. Um, but I definitely wouldn't, I would definitely suggest if someone's taking it because they just can't be, maybe they don't like having fruit and veg in the diet. I would say you maybe need to reassess your diet before taking a multivit. Yeah. Two reasons why I might take one. Two reasons why I might recommend it. Yeah. The first reason being it's a nice backup. I might be wasting 30 quid, but I know in my head that I'm probably hitting most bases. And if I don't, I then probably am with that nice backup. Second option, if I'm then dieting, yes, I'm eating less food. Potentially, that means that there is a lack of nutrient-dense foods or there just might be a lack of nutrients throughout the whole diet. So then I'll supplement just in case. Yeah, so that's a great point. So that's one of the things that I was going to mention. If you are um, someone who is looking to, to lose body mass, fat mass, yep. um, and simply calorie energy restricting will reduce the amount of vitamins and minerals in your diet simply because you, your diet is probably going to be insufficient energy-wise. So you need to be in a negative energy balance, which probably means, yes, you probably will be lacking certain vitamins and minerals. So in that context, yes, I would definitely advocate having a multivitamin. Wicked, wicked. Um, so those are the five that we wanted to discuss yeah. in terms of health, potentially some performance benefits there as well. Um, I wanted to quickly touch on a few that I know many will be taking. Um, first being, and this is in relation to performance more than anything else, mm-hmm. um, caffeine. Yes. Okay. It's so, um, so caffeine, some people might be surprised, is a drug. Ooh. And it's the most widely consumed drug in the world. Like drug. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So that's why everyone is addicted to having coffee. That's why people need to have a coffee or a tea or chocolate, because again, caffeine is in chocolate. Mm-hmm. Um, so yes, that's why people like having that because it makes them feel good and makes them feel energized. Um, basically how it works is that within the brain you have receptor sites and caffeine when it's broken down transported in the blood goes to receptor sites attaches to them and blocks off um, the receptor sites so that you don't have any feelings of fatigue or tiredness so your body is then alert and then you can function normally as an adult human being for a normal working day provided you have some coffee breaks not all day not all day because you wait until those receptor sites leave oh my god yeah so in a world of trouble (laughs) yeah again um there's quite because caffeine's a drug it does change when how often you use it so your body gets used to it so you get habituated to caffeine um so then you need to start taking more a bigger dose that's when your coffee breaks become a bit more regular um or you need to start supplementing with caffeine maybe before you do your training session. Um, but then again, if you're not a regular caffeine user, you're very, very susceptible to that, to, to it as a supplement. So you can almost have like a, ben- a more of a beneficial response if you're not habituated to caffeine. So that's quite an interesting point. Yeah, feelings of fatigue, it reduces that RPE, right? So yeah. performance-wise, if you're about to lift, maybe feeling sore, just generally feeling tired of fatigue, taking caffeine will help you think yes. that you are not as fatigued as you are yes exactly which again so, is a bit contentious because you know should you be training if before you took the caffeine you was feeling tired uh potentially i mean you guys train quite early in the morning you know you're yeah. only about half six of you guys so yeah. at that point to get the most out of your training session if you're training between like half six and half seven or half seven and eight or you know before nine ten o'clock and your body's not primed for the exercise and if you're in a calorie deficit and you're trying to lose weight, so you kind of have a double-edged sword there, yeah. training early in the morning, losing weight, haven't eaten since you've woken up, then maybe caffeine is your go-to thing. So having a coffee before you do your training session, although it might have, in that sense, your food products being coffee might upset your stomach and actually leave you feeling not great during that early morning training session. Mm-hmm. So perhaps having a caffeine supplement as simple as pro plus yeah. yeah 
So if it's mm-hmm. a Pro Plus tablet you can get from Boots, um, I'm not advocating using Pro Plus as a brand, but you've got lots of different brands out there. But <laughs> you having about 50 milligrams of caffeine. Uh-oh. All those views are going to dob on us. <laughs> yeah, no. Um, so, yeah, you want to have, the dosage-wise, you want to have about 50 milligrams of caffeine, 15, 50 to 100 milligrams of caffeine. Um, and that's simply just for the, the psychological benefit of it. Yeah, um, yeah. For the physical benefit of it, maybe you do need to have a slightly higher dose. Um, So if we're talking about milligrams per kilogram of body weight, which we referred to before, um, about three milligrams per kilogram of body weight is appropriate there. So if you were a hundred, we'll say 50 kilogram female, you're looking about 150 milligrams of caffeine. So three three pro plus tablets. Wow. So some people don't like coffee mm-hmm. um, and maybe they've not felt the benefits of caffeine. I'm not saying get yourself onto caffeine, um, but what I'm saying is on those days, like George mentioned, where you might be in a calorie deficit, you might be feeling tired. It, it might, it might help. Yes. Um, so that's a good shout. That's a good shout. And just while we're here, um, we talk a lot about caffeine. We have a, we have a 2 PM caffeine curfew at BSC because there is a half-life of five to 10 hours of coffee, of caffeine, depending on how healthy you are, typically five. So if you're having a coffee at four, 5 p.m., good luck trying to sleep. If you do sleep, the quality of sleep is potentially hindered. That's a topic for another day. Um, I guess we could talk a little bit about it because it's to do with health. Um, so yeah, it's certainly something to be wary of yeah and as you just said like that that's the half-life so yeah you know four or five hours after you've taken that had that coffee and say you you, you know you've had a, a double espresso and you've had 100, 100 milligrams of caffeine four hours later you've still got 50 milligrams of caffeine still circulating around your body so it, it takes it does take a long time for it to um actually exit the body if you like so um yeah, be excreted by the body. So, and but it takes about an hour to actually reach maximum plasma plasma concentration. So, if you could, if you know you've got a train session at uh, twelve noon, mm-hmm. you want to have your caffeine at eleven o'clock so that it's reached peak peak concentrations within the blood plasma, um, so then it can get to your brain receptor sites and make you feel nice and ha- uh, nice and you know happy and uh, oh, yeah. equalize energy. What are you taking? <laughs> <laughs> um, also. There is caffeine in Coke. So anyone having like a Coke Zero at nighttime with their dinner, you know, please be aware um, that you are drinking caffeine. So caffeine free, the gold um, Coke cans. Yeah. But, and I guess um, for any of you, your guys that think, you know, I've got a 6.30 session, there's no way I'm going to wake up at 5.30 and throw down like a Pro Plus. Yeah. So as an alternative, you can actually use caffeine gum. Okay. So it's a chewing gum. Yeah. So, so quite basically, really, really practically, if your BSC guys uh, want to keep some caffeine gum tablets in the car and they've got a 15, 20 minute drive to get to training, they can yeah. just be chewing on a caffeine gum on the drive or a walk to, to, the, uh, to the gym when it reopens. You just created a so... world of trouble with gum <laughs> on the floor yeah anyone <laughs> no, just spitting out chewing gum <laughs> oh my <laughs> yeah so because because of the way the the really? the caffeine gum works yeah um because it's in your um oral cavity it gets into saliva and it also yeah. gets into the blood a lot faster wow. so it takes about 20 minutes half an hour max to get into your blood at peak concentration so you can get some caffeine tablets from health span mm-hmm. Um, they sell them. Um, and again, I think the dosage is around about 50 milligrams or maybe just check the packet, 50 to 100 milligrams. So it's basically one, one caffeine gum, chew it for the drive to yours and then they'll be good to go. But maybe just spit the chewing gum out before you start doing the workout. Otherwise, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Don't you choking guys. Come on. No. <laughs> um, all right. So um, four more in terms of performance. So let's fire through them real quick um, and then we'll, quickly dive dive into the questions creatine yes so it's a biggie it's a biggie um 
I'm a huge advocate of it. Just th just through like there's so much research in there, and we've touched on it a little bit, I believe. Yeah. Um, have we? Yeah, in in our last few few podcasts. So let's just quickly run over it because I feel like it's a big player in performance, and you know, it could help. So quickly run through that for me, Georgie, and then. Okay, so uh, creatine or one of the forms creatine monohydrate. Yep. Uh, that's an amino acid. And it basically helps with uh, muscle maintenance or muscle hypertrophy. Mm -hmm. um, so again, it, you could be using this supplement um, as well as creatine from the diet. So you can have creatine from meats. Yeah. So again, if you're a vegetarian or vegan, you might want to supplement creatine within your diet so that you're not creatine deficient. All right. Mm -hmm. um, one of the key things to think about with creatine is um, the amount and timing that you take it. Yeah. So it depends. I don't know whether you advocate having a loading phase and maintenance phase or just going straight to that maintenance phase. We just have five grams a day, mate, and you okay. know, we don't go through that loading phase. No. Yeah. So um, what Reese is referring to then is uh, the maintenance phase of five grams a day dose. Um, so you might want to take that immediately or as soon as possible after you've done your training session, yeah. just so it goes to the, the muscles that have been exercised because of the increased blood flow the creatine will then go to their muscle sites so if you've been working upper or lower body or just, or you know a particular muscle group if you take the creatine immediately after exercise it'll go to that site with the loading phase that you might want to avoid is usually about a week long taking 20 grams a day splitting that 20 gram dose into four smaller five gram doses but with that you do run the risk of increasing water retention quite a lot Mm -hmm. so if you start taking when you if you do start taking creatine supplementation um you might find that your body weight will increase quite dramatically quite quickly yeah. um and that's basically a priming effect from the body because creatine gets water into the muscle um and stores it there so it's almost like a priming effect for increasing muscle mass and muscle volume so you, you kind of like your body's like a sponge and you're going to have like a, you, you basically, your creatine allows that sponge to absorb more water. So that actually increases body weight. So that increase in body weight won't be fat mass or muscle mass initially. It will be water retention. Um, so that's just one thing to, to Yeah, it's important to note. Like if you're on a fat loss journey, we'd yeah. advocate taking it because it helps with recovery. It'll help with strength, performance, power output. I mean, as early researchers suggest that it helps with cognitive fatigue, memory, sleep, depression like there's so much that this that the research is showing that you just need to be like you know crucially aware that your weight will increase so you know that's why we would take measurements that's why we would do progress pictures because we then would have other um tangible evidence to show us that you know don't panic yeah definitely so 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 the the, the how the dose there is you know if you wanted to load it the essentially your your you're loading to increase the creatine in the body, in the cell. Am I right? Yeah. Yeah. So you want to use it as, if you're going to use it as a supplement, supplement strategy, um, you'd normally advocate using it on four week cycles. So four yeah. weeks on and four weeks off. Mm -hmm. Beyond, I believe in the research, there, is, there hasn't been much research done if you take it for beyond 10 weeks. Um, but yeah, if you, if you usually, if you go on like a four week on, four week off cycle, that's usually the best way of doing it. And also to note, you if you do um, research this yourself, don't be worried about kidney failure. There was some research that supplemented creatine and they found kidney failure, but the participants that were taking the creatine had already had kidney failure. So of course it was going to cause adverse effects there. Yeah, and again, that's that's to do with the, the kidneys process of, of water. So the filtering system that the kidneys use and having the water retention from the creatine, that's one thing to watch out for. So if you do have any underlying chronic um, kidney or, or liver um, diseases, you do want to check with your GP before you start using creatine as a supplement. Okay, here we go, Mr. Beetroot Man. Okay. <laughs> Short and sharp, please, because I know... You could talk 10 episodes on this. Uh, beetroot, how, why, and uh, when, why, and how? Let's do it. Yeah, okay. So um, beetroot juice uh, is high in dietary nitrates. And dietary nitrates form all sorts of key signaling processes within the body. 
and most notably within uh, blood blood vessels. Mm-hmm. And basically, what it does, it helps the blood vessel relax and dilate, so get wider. Okay, so having a constricted or smaller blood vessel increases blood pressure, but having a more dilated, wider blood vessel reduces blood pressure. So that's one of the key health benefits of taking beetroot juice supplementation, um, which are just you having beetroot juice within your within your diet. So, um, but not having the um, the pickled uh, beetroot because pickling actually reduces the nitrate concentration within uh, the food itself. So you can either have it in its raw form, natural form, or steamed steamed um, beetroot is is the best one. Okay. So. Um, dilating those vessels increase blood flow yep so if you're going to increase blood flow you're also going to increase oxygen delivery to muscle so that's one of the key things with um dietary nitrate supplementation once once the body's broken it down Mm -hmm. um into something called nitric oxide Mm -hmm. that's the key signal molecule to allow that blood vessel dilation to happen and if you've got increased oxygen delivery you've got increased exercise performance whether that's aerobic or anaerobic or recovery so in terms of recovery, when you're, when you're talking to some of you guys that are more kind of performance um, motivated, having beetroot juice causes that vascular effect and can improve markers of um, muscle soreness or fatigue. So if they are getting ready for a competition or like myself um, doing like CrossFit or anything like that, a running race, anything along them lines, they're getting ready for a marathon, for instance, mm-hmm. that week before the marathon, I would advocate using a beef juice supplementation. Um, so you want to have, um, if you go on to James White Drinks Limited, again, I'm not sponsoring these guys. Yeah, yeah. Um, but you, they have the beetroot, the concentrated beetroot shots. Okay, so we're not talking about the big cartons, not the big 500 mil cartons, we're talking about the 70 mil shots. And this is what the product that I've used for a lot of my PhD research. So you want to have uh, one 70 mil shot of juice in the morning at breakfast. You can take it with your breakfast and then the second shot with uh, your evening meal. So to spread that dosage out uh, for e- the morning and evening okay. um, every day for seven days. And you do have to load with beetroot juice. So it won't necessarily work immediately from like one day one, but beyond five days, um, that's a really good um, way to actually supplement with beetroot juice. So you're looking about a week before a competition. And really quick, we have a few members that like to run on the weekend. Okay. So, and they every weekend as well, like religiously. Mm-hmm. So then would you, would you look at supplementing that throughout the training or would you look at, there might be some races now coming up in the summer as we come out of lockdown, would it be worth waiting Obviously, you don't want to, do you want to be do you want to be taking it every single day if you're running on the weekends? Um, so in terms of research, there hasn't been much research conducted beyond a two week supplementation phase. Okay. Um, so it's difficult to say what an increased uh, nitrous plasma nitrate or nitric oxide in the body would do. Mm-hmm. Um, but having a week before in your training, I would always advocate practicing what you do in training for competition i wouldn't just start taking it immediately before you know your week before you your race definitely try it out you know a month couple you know a few weeks beforehand um but a couple of key things with beetroot juice supplementation is the the nitrate which is in the product that's not usable by the body it needs to break it down something called nitrite okay and it does that by bacteria within the, the oral cavity in the mouth but Here's the thing. If you're brushing your um, tongue with your toothbrush, if you're using chewing gum or if you're using a mouthwash like Listerine mouthwash on a daily basis, you are killing the good bacteria in your mouth. No, it's like a way up smelly breath or a PB. Exactly. So (laughs) here, here you're going to have to say that week before the race or during your training session, when you're going to use beetroot juice, not having chewing gum, not brushing your tongue with your toothbrush <laughs> and not using any mouthwash because you basically disinfect your mouth and that bacteria is needed to break down the nitrate. Wow. So I don't want people to go and buy, you know, 30 pounds worth of beetroot juice and then also just keep brushing the mouth and using the, the Listerine and all the rest of it because you're just disinfecting and basically chucking your money down the drain. Well, like you weigh up the option. Um, yes. You being whoever's listening, then we won't judge you. 
Um, yeah. Right, moving on. <laughs> on that note, um, Beta Alanine, um, cell buffers. Let's quickly run through the two that we would suggest um, and how they can help with performance, and then we'll dive into these cues. Yeah, so uh, beta alanine, uh, I think a couple of guys, your guys use that, and um, that's an intracellular buffer. So that's very performance related. Um, so from from that aspect, you need to supplement it for a long period of time. You're looking at about four to six weeks for it to be effective. Okay, so it's not going to be effective from day one. You need to actually build it up within the body. Mm-hmm. Um, and basically, what it does, it helps clear hydrogen ions um, within the blood. So within the cell to get into the blood, basically. Um, so when you're exercising really high intensity, you're producing lots of lactic acid. Well, that lactic acid is actually good because it's an energy source. What's bad is the hydrogen ions. Okay. So really when your guys are saying, oh, I'm full of lactate, I've got loads of lactic acid buildup. That's not really the issue. It's the hydrogen ions. So that's what they're having to clear with the beta alanine. Um, one thing to mention here with the beta alanine is you might feel tingling sensation. Mm-hmm. That's normal, but what isn't normal is a huge amount of tingling sensation. So you shouldn't, you know, it's not supposed to pins and needles. It's maybe a tiny bit in the fingertips, but if you're feeling it all up your, you know, your, over of your hand and up your arm, that's not good. You maybe need to amend the supplement strategy a little bit. Yeah. yeah. So it's I a mean, case of a marathon, not sprint. Exactly. And like you might just accidentally double scoop or you just might not have read it. Don't panic. Like it will subside. I've been there. Yeah. Don't worry. Um, it's a bit weird, but you'll be fine. And then every other time you'll just maybe get a tingly, itchy cheek at one time or like an itchy hand. <laughs> itchy other bitch, who knows? Depends how much you take. Yeah, um, exactly. <laughs> uh, Matt Fraser actually says it's his third lung. Uh, yeah, well, yeah. High, again, high intensity exercise. That's what the alien is for. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's good. Um, the last one, which some might not know about, which I didn't when I had done this within the research. Um, shout out to uh, a carb. Okay. Bicarb, bicarb soda. Sodium bicarb, yeah. Sodium bicarb. I can't even get it right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So uh, sodium bicarb or bicarb for short. Yeah. So that's another buffer. So that's an extracellular buffer. So. Your guys that are using beta alanine, yes, the brother, brother or sister to that mm-hmm. is bicarb. Um, it, it has had a bad press in the in the in the media because if you don't take it appropriately, it can cause digestive issues or you yes. to feel very like vomity sick mm-hmm. um, or the other end. But you can get around that by again splitting the dosage up. And basically, what bicarb does is all of the, the nasty hydrogen ions that have been created from the exercise and your, your beta alanine has helped remove it from the cell to the blood, that's when your sodium bicarb gets it out of the blood. Because if you think about it, you usually beta alanine, but there's a bottle effect and the blood can only take on so much of the hydrogen ions and they need to clear it as fast as they can. And that's what the sodium bicarb does. So that can actually get rid of that bottle, bottleneck effect. Okay, nice. Would you... Would you stack those together like so we didn't actually go through doses of um beta alanine so let's just quickly go through doses of both and then let's discuss if you would stack them together yeah okay so what do you do you know what your guys do do you know what they they have um so from speak so i've not spoke to there's maybe one or two taking it um speaking to josh i believe he's taking three um Three grams, three grams. Yes, three, yeah, three point two usually. Dose. My um, my pre workout has three point four per scoop, I believe. Yep. And um, that's just in one. That's just in one serving. That's one serving. Yeah. So, um, you know, within within the pre workout, obviously you've got caffeine and whatnot. Yeah. Um, you just have to take one of those. Um, it says to start with half a scoop first, and I would probably recommend doing that with any pre workout. Um, yeah. before um, but yeah I, I'm now on a full scoop of okay. that and you still get the tingling JK mm-hmm. yeah three yeah. three grams 
Yeah. So um, what you can do is split that three three point two gram dose into like two one point sixes, taking like mor- like morning and, and evening. Okay. Just to build it up. Um, and then in terms of the bicarb, yeah, you can. I would start on a lower dose. So the the lower dose, the better for most people. Um, because what you, what you don't want to do is go. You don't want to start on uh, on a like a ten gram dose, for instance. Um, start on a on a much lower dose, like two to three grams, um, and then try it out. Maybe try it out when you do a training session at home rather than when you come to the gym. Yeah, and I was going to say, like maybe try it ninety minutes before, maybe because yes, you don't want to take it ten minutes before because you'll be in the shit, literally. <laughs> so suggest maybe taking it. You know, I'm using me as an example for football. I'll take it before training to try it. And then before my first game, I might then look at trying it 90 minutes before, see what it feels like in the in the warm-up. And go from there. Yeah, exactly. Um, I would definitely, whenever anyone takes, just as a bit of like an end point to all of that, would be yeah. before anyone takes a supplement, do, you, do your research, do a bit of reading. It doesn't take too much effort just to do a, a 15, 20-minute Google search on the product and what it does what you should do and like how to use it and again like i'll always say to to your guys now like with my involvement in bsc at the minute um use facebook if they've got questions about things i, I am on i i do read comments so yeah. yeah if anyone's got any questions about any supplements that they are using or are thinking about using and want to try um feel free to drop a comment there's a website called examine.com um very very good for pretty much every supplement and there's this um, effects matrix and it goes through however many studies there have been whether there was a minimal notable notable max difference you know so it might be creatine helps with power and arrow pointing upwards large effect notable yeah. effect. Yeah. so examine type in you know, whatever you you uh, come across, because there'll be there'll be supplements which are utter nonsense, and you'll be like, oh, never heard of that. Ashwagandha, right? Ashwagandha. There's some studies to show that it would help with sleep and relax you. If you have no idea, go research examine.com, and that. So yeah, good point. Um, all right, Georgie, let's go through those questions, and let's run through. Um, I believe there was three questions and we had one question the week before, which we said we'd, we'd potentially go through today. Um, yeah. So we've covered quite a lot Yeah. of them question of the questions, the questions that we, the question that we got was almost like two parts. So the first part was just kind of going through, um, well, they, they basically said they feel like they rattle. So do they need to take mm-hmm. the supplements that are referred to? So I think we've actually covered that because they asked about, um, Omega three multivits, uh, zinc and vitamin D in that question. Um, so I hope we've covered that question um, during this podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, if we haven't, feel free just to ask any more in the comments section of Facebook. Yeah. Um, and then again, the second part of that question um, that referred to iron, which again we've covered. So I'm unless they've got more questions about iron, um, feel free. But I suppose one of the things that they did actually mention was um the 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 iron product that the supplement product that they're thinking they're taking i think they said it would i be able to recommend any particular brand or type of iron supplement that wouldn't um upset their stomach so they said that they they kind of have a little bit of tummy issues yeah um one of the iron products i know has worked for some of the athletes that i've worked with in the past is um health span elite their iron products their iron complex is a tummy friendly iron supplement so if you if you do if you're particularly if you're a female and you do know that you need to take iron supplement products go to health span elite um they have very good quality um iron complex um tablets on there i think before we move on we've touched it a little bit but i just want to say is that you know feeling like we rattle taking a fair few supplements there are a few and we will recap them at the end. There are a few that are essential because we not, might not be able to get them in our diet. However, if your diet is not balanced, 
and you're more focused on supplements, it's like the dashboard on your car lighting up like a Christmas tree, but you're worried about your windscreen wipers getting changed because they're dirty. We need to be focusing on what is actually going wrong, what we actually need to address, which is the engine, the oil, right? Before we then worry about the, 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 the smaller um, elements. Imagine like a pyramid. Imagine like a pyramid, the bottom of that pyramid, you've got your balanced macronutrients, micronutrients, and then supplements are at the very peak. Yeah, I like that. I didn't know where you were going with that car analogy, but I liked it. <laughs> yeah, no, but yeah, if you want to, whatever works, yeah, if you want to use a car analogy or the, that pyramid analogy, yeah, you need to make sure that your foundations are solid before you yeah. build upon them. So yes, this podcast is particularly about supplements, but, you know, like, like we said right at the very start, you need to identify if it's essential and other thing is, can you get it from your diet? Um, if not, why not? And how can you then go to change your diet maybe slightly? Or if you do need to use supplements, um, make sure you do your research beforehand. But yeah, definitely that supplement is that peak of the yeah. pyramid. It's not, it's not the bottom. You don't want to flip that pyramid upside down. Um, okay, so back to the question. If your body naturally produces creatine, then why should you need to supplement it? Would you need to train so many sessions a week to notice a difference in performance if you were to take this an extra, if you were to take this as an extra supplement? Do you recommend taking it? Um, it depends, right? It depends on your your diet. It depends on what you're eating and how much creatine is involved within that diet. Yeah. So again like what we've always spoken about throughout the podcast would would always be before you start using a, a supplement product identify what you need it for and why so yes your body produces creatine yes you get creatine from the diet however if you're someone who is potentially trying to lose body body mass fat mass and is in a calorie deficit are you getting sufficient amounts of creatine in the diet to help you uh, maintain muscle mass in a calorie deficit, or if you're someone who's trying to go through a hypertrophy phase of training for performance, can you get sufficient amounts of creatine in a diet on top of your on, on, on top of your normal food, or for the convenience of knowing that you can take a five gram dose of creatine monohydrate, which is a good quality source um, from a good um, product brand. Can you take the convenience and the the peace of mind knowing that if I take the creatine as soon as possible after my training session, I'm going to hopefully maximize the adaptations and responses from that training session, along with carbohydrate, protein and fat macronutrient intake as well. So it's it's a kind of like cherry on top scenario again with that pyramid It's that it's the peak of the pyramid. Can you maximize everything from each training session? I think two practical points there is cost like you're not. If you're vegetarian, I would suggest taking it anyway because red meats are high in creatine, but we're not buying a, you know, a 28-day, I don't know what they call them, steaks, whatever they are, you know, those those bloody huge T-bones. We're not buying them every single night and eating those. Um, buy yourself a, a creatine, which is around about 25 quid a month, and it's not even a month. It's probably for three months' worth, and you're getting five grams, which is more... Um, than you probably would within your diet. Like, there's a lot of red meat. So, the, um, the short answer, you know, um, short story long is yes. <laughs> um, question two or question three: uh, What's the best form to take a supplement in? Tablet, liquid, or powder? Oh my God, there's loads here, Georgie. So um, let's go with that first, okay? What's the best form to take a supplement in? Tablet, liquid, or powder? Uh, I would it say depends. It, again, <laughs> like, it context. The context would be um, it depends what the supplement is, um, because supplements come in all sorts of forms. Like you can have everything from um, an omega three uh, fish oil tablet to a carbohydrate sports drink. Like again, like a, a Luxate sport is a carbohydrate supplement. It's not just a drink, it's actually a supplement product. So it depends how you want to, how you want to do that. For carbohydrate supplements, do you want to use a, a gel, a, a bar or, or a drink? So it, it really depends what you're doing. 
efficiency and ease of digestion powder so we looked at creatine powder yeah if you forget or you find it a chore or you already have an omega-3 and a vitamin d in the morning then buy a creatine tablet because then you will not forget and it's already with the rest of those supplements so it's just a practical sense sometimes like again i always ask the guys what would it look like if it was easy well, Reese, are you taking your creatine? No, I keep forgetting. All right, well, buy the tablet form and put it with the rest of your supplements. Yeah. Okay. Optimal time to take a supplement, morning, night, or before and after with food. So, they, I mean, it's different for each one. And we've gone through these and we've explained the different doses, when and when you shouldn't be taking it. Um, again, some of them doesn't matter. You might need to take it with a little bit of food. I might take... I take most of mine in the morning with a banana because otherwise I'll forget. So, simple yeah. so again, it, it comes down to practicality and convenience. Usually, yeah. uh, yes, there are certain products that you are better to have um, at certain times of the day. So like caffeine, for instance, that we spoke about, you don't want to have caffeine too late in the afternoon or evening because it's going to be in the system for a long time and it will keep you awake. So then you're going to get disturbed sleep, which is going to be negative for training adaptations and feeling well. So there's all sorts of caveats to when, what, and how you should take a supplement, depending on what it is. So if anyone's got any specific questions, please feel free to ask. Yeah. Any specific, um, any specific supplements you have in mind? And this is from Joe. So any, any specifics have in mind, Joe, um, let us know. There's a few more. Um, can you overdo it with supplements? Do they cancel each other out? If you take everything, why am um, I shouting? <laughs> so um, that's quite a complicated question. Um, very good question. Hell of a question. That's like that's like a twenty-minute answer in itself. So I'll try and be brief. Uh, <laughs> can so that question was: Can they? Can supplements cancel each other out? Um, I would say. Usually, you don't have supplements that can cancel each other out because if a vitamin is, you know, A, B, C, D, E, K, it, that vitamin is that vitamin. It won't, you know, one won't cancel the other out necessarily. Um, there's different enzymes that'll break different vitamins down. So, they're, they're, from that perspective, um, I would say briefly no. Um, and the other part of the question before that was um, Can you overdo it and do they cancel each other out? can you overdo it yes you can um yeah. in a simple in a simple answer okay. um you usually and this is again kind of why if you're using a, a multivitamin check the back of the packet because it will say how what percentage of a recommended daily value it is the the rdv um so if it says something like two thousand percent of what your recommended daily value for that particular vitamin or mineral will be that's two thousand percent of what it of what it should be so yes that is far far greater than what is recommended so then i would question is that product actually necessary um if it's more about is it 100 percent of your recommended daily value then yes that's a safe dose to take um again like we spoke about um particular products that could be um negative if you have kidney or liver disease so again making sure that checking with your gp if you do have a kidney or liver disease that you're actually able to take a supplement product before taking it. All right, wicked. Two more questions from this question. <laughs> um, are some brands of supplements better than others? Yes. In short. 100%, 100% yes. <laughs> yeah. Um, if you go to a brand um, which you've never heard of before, um, you don't know where it's manufactured, you don't know if it's safe, because the thing is, a lot of supplement products are produced, you know, are manufactured in um, unregulated um, industries. Um, whereas if you go to a big pharmaceutical company, they ha have standards to abide by. However, um, with supplements, it's not quite the same thing. So always go for the more reputable brands. Yes, you do have to pay a little bit more money, but you know it's a safer product to use. Um, likewise, some brands will mislabel their products either on purpose or unintentionally. So you might look through a product and kind of not recognize some of the uh, names that are on there. So just double check 
what's actually in the product by just going online and doing a quick search. We'll we'll link some supplements. So we've obviously noted a few, and we will put some of those um, links into the description so you have something to work with. Uh, George, what should we be looking for to get the best? You just mentioned that. So that was the second part to that question, and we've answered that there. Okay, wicked. Last question, Georgie. Um, so this is from Poster Boy, Sean, Mr. Sean McCormack. Um, what are the benefits of casein and is it worth an investment? He has done us dirty on the last session of the day. Mr. Robinson, we said we wouldn't talk about protein. I'm going to give you 30 seconds <laughs> to give your answer. Three, two, one. Do you want me to read it again? No, that's fine. Um, with casein, uh, again, it depends. Um, I would advocate using whey over casein just because you have that greater muscle protein synthesis response. Um, so I would say go for whey rather than casein on even on the night time. Boom. <laughs> hey. Um, wicked. So that is supplements. That is episode three complete. Thank you for taking the time. It's a lengthy one, but there was a lot there. Georgie, thank you for your time as well. Um, so there was obviously a lot we went through. Um, so if you feel like you are um, maybe more confused with more knowledge, then again, drop the answers below. Um, George, I just want to really quickly run through the umbrella of essential uh, supplements. Just name them. Okay, just name them. So the umbrella that we looked at, supplements that might you might not be able to get within your diet, um, which ones, which base supplements would you suggest? Okay, uh, first one, iron. Yep. Vit D. Yep. Zinc. Yep. And omega-3 at certain times. And I'm going to put in creatine at certain times. Happy days. Thank you, George. Um, we will be discussing what episode four looks like and we will get in touch with you all very, very shortly. Have a fantastic rest of the week and take care.